We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What is up, everybody? The Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day to everybody. The summer is coming to a close, and that means we've got playoff baseball right around the corner. Scott, how's it going? It's good. Uh, yeah, the Labor Day weekend's always kind of one of those uh, those weekends where you're sad to see the summer go, and you know people have to start actually taking their jobs seriously again because I feel like people check out for a few months. Um, but but yeah, you're right. Baseball. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, with football starting and the, ba- the baseball playoffs. As long as we're taking part, uh, it's definitely the best part of the year. I think it's a it's a solid, solid sports um, month or two. So looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be a fun year. Yeah, I'm not sad at all to see summer go because for the first time in a few years, the Yankees have playoff hopes, and that's a good thing because we have not had that in a while. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very to me. 
Uh, I, th- I think a lot of people go back and forth, but you know, I, I have confidence in this team too. Too, so I have a feeling they're uh, we're going to see some good stuff in you know come October. So I'm excited for it, man. I really am. I think this uh, I think this team could do something in a short series. Well, I'll feel a little bit better if they make it into the division lead, so we're not, we don't just have to deal with that one game playoff, and you know we just have one game for playoffs, and then that's it. That would be sort of a tease. So, yeah, as you mentioned, NFL is right around the corner, starts up this week. So, yeah, it is a great time to be a sports fan. Great time to be alive and sitting on your couch, really. No doubt, man. This, this, is, this, is, where the, this is where the couch heroes come into play, man. We, everybody gets some serious couch time coming up. Weather starts turning a little bit. People are, uh, people are definitely ready. And I'm ready for football, too. <laughs> I'm ready you, for both of it. You a little nervous for football this year? I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. You were bringing this up earlier, like this whole free Brady crap. I can't handle it. It's it's irritating. Like, I just I just can't look at this man anymore. But look, I'm a Jets fan, and um, we were gonna have to play him anyway, so it really doesn't really affect what we have to do. Yeah. So Scott's, the man was gonna be out in front of us. Scott's just a battered Jets fan, so this is just another thing in the long list of of Jets things that he has to deal with. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, um, you know when when Gino got that the right hook from that IK kid, um, just all it did was free Fitzmagic. That's it. That's what happened. Now, so now, so now Fitzmagic is ready to go, ready to ready to roll. We got a uh, he's a fiery dude. So I'm I'm actually uh, excited to see him uh, and see what he can do in that offense that he knows very well. Rex Ryan just released him, and that was such an fu to the Jets when he brought that guy in. Yeah, probably. It, it, it absolutely was. I mean, that's how Rex operates. It's it's a very very typical Rex Ryan move. Is what it is. It, as soon as I had, as soon as I saw it come across the the wire, I was like, "Yep, that makes that makes every bit of sense." Did so, you also see that you know the Jets might need another backup quarterback, and Chip Kelly just released Tim Tebow, so he's out there for you guys. You know, Tim Tebow actually looked decent in that last uh, in that last yeah, showing. That's granted, he's playing Tebow. against. Yeah, it is classic Tebow. But he, you know what I noticed is that it looked like he slimmed down a lot. I don't know if you, you noticed that, but he doesn't look as bulky, which is probably I would have to assume would would hinder your 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 throwing motion too. You know, getting those mechanics. So maybe he lost some weight and kind of thinned out a little bit and has more, a little freer range of motion. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't think he'll ever be a quarterback. But that's enough of NFL talk. I'm sure we'll get into a lot of that over the coming weeks and months. The Yankees. Um, I don't know. I guess they sort of stayed stayed what they've been doing for the last couple of weeks uh, this last week where they didn't really gain any ground on Toronto. Last week we sat here and it was one, one and a half games back and they're one and a half games back now. Uh, just a heads up, we're recording Sunday morning instead of Sunday night. So we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday. We've, we've just seen the two games versus Tampa and that's it. But um, I want to talk about what happened earlier this week, and that was the September call-ups. And we saw some names like Ref Snyder, Perella, Dustin Ackley, Austin Romine, and Andrew Bailey, to name some of the more notable names that were called up. Um, any of those guys stand out to you? Any of those guys surprise you at all? Uh, I don't think anybody's surprising. Maybe Andrew Bailey. Uh, but, you know, I think it's kind of a we'll, we'll see what he's got type thing. The other guys are all... Uh, people that I expected to come up. Um, Ackley, I guess, gives a little bit. If he's healthy, he gives he provides some flexibility in the field um, and and can you know play different positions, first base included, which I know we we definitely need some depth in. So, um, not none of those guys are, are surprising by any means. I mean, it's good to see Perella and Ref Snyder up, um, but they're they're being held down by uh, by by you know the the lightning rod, Stephen Drew, who's just been 
unbelievable lately. So, um, but yeah, no, you know, it's good to see the youth up, and uh, hopefully they can contribute in a positive way. This whole thing with Stephen Drew has been so insane this year. They've put up with him batting under two hundred for all season, the entire season, four four and a half months or whatever it was, and now he's finally starting to hit a little bit since the All Star break. He's batting two sixty five with five home runs, which three months ago looked impossible. Right. And then over the last two weeks, he's batting three twenty three, which I mean, he's never going away at this point, and people are just gonna have to get used to it. And if he's batting like this, he's actually a pretty good player. So I don't know. I, I guess people got to stop complaining about Stephen Drew. I mean, if he's hitting the ball the way he is, like you said, three twenty three over the past two weeks, it seems like the guy's on base all the time. I mean, he's doing things that he hasn't done all year. He's going the other way. He's you know he's going with pitches. He's hitting against shifts. He's he's been tremendous. I mean, in all honesty, and, and, and you know that I'm I'm one of the ones that would absolutely kill him. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he saw Ref Steiner and Perella coming up and got something something clicked or you know. He just got sick of being terrible. I don't know what it was, but the, the dude has been has been hitting. What's going to happen is, is he's playing himself into another contract. Is what I'm worried about. <laughs> he's got a one year deal, and when we see some what he's doing in the second half, um, you know, I, I just we'll see what happens, man. But uh, you know, he is playing for a contract at this point. It would not shock me if the Yankees bring him back next year. No, nothing would shock me with him anymore. So no, not at all. It wouldn't shock me if he hit 150 next year either. I was it's and, funny. and they played him all the way through August. It's funny. I was looking at his Wikipedia page to find those or not Wikipedia, baseball reference page to find those stats to talk about. And I noticed that they have his nickname in there as Dirt, which I think is pretty pretty fitting for him so far. Had had I known that back in April, I would have been calling him Dirt all year. Yeah, it's a pretty good nickname for him. It's not. Uh, I know there were people uh, coming up with, with nicknames for him over the past week when he was raking like Stephen Druth. I heard, um, like a like Babe Ruth references, and the, it's just uh, the the dude is an anomaly. I don't I don't understand <laughs> how he can do what he's doing now and then be so terrible for uh, you know three quarters of the year. It's just it's a cr- it's crazy how you can just all of a sudden turn it on. So on Wednesday, the Yankees face Henry Owens, who's a lefty in Boston, and Stephen Drew started. And I, and I thought if, if there's any a time, any game for either Perella or Ref Snyder to start, it's that game. And he didn't. So it's Stephen Drew the rest of the way, whether it's lefty, righty, whatever. Yeah, and I guess he'll just, you know, get a, a day off here or there um, with Ref Snyder or Perella. But those guys, I mean, they're with, with, with Drew playing the way he's playing, their roles are... are you know, pinch hitting. Uh, they're not going to be defensive replacements. Uh, they're going to, you know, they maybe pinch run, but that's that's where they are. And a, and a day off guy. That's that's who they are right now. So into let's get into some, I guess, more important news, and that's the Teixeira injury. And this thing has been ongoing for a while now since he injured it. Whatever, three, three, almost four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We all know it's the deep bone bruise, whatever that means. He had the tests. He had the the second set of tests and they, I guess just reconfirmed that it was a bad bone bruise, which I thought they already knew. But, um, Cashman said on September 1st, don't expect to see Teixeira in the next two weeks. And then three days later, they placed him on the 15 day DL. And I just want to, you know, get into this whole, um, when he was placed and when he last played. So he last played on August 26th, which means they could retroactive him to that day and he could be available to come off on September 10th, which is this Thursday. But that's not going to happen because Cashman already said it's going to be at least two weeks. So we're not going to see him this week. We're probably not going to see him for another two weeks. And that's just the reality. 
And I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty nervous about, about this guy ever getting back on the field and healthy for this season. Yeah, I guess you take solace in the fact that it's not like a, it's not a broken bone, it's not a joint, it's not like you know some some kind of ligament damage or a pole or it's it's a bone bruise that right that should just go away with time. It's not like something that should should linger. So it's a confusing injury, and it's you know and, and why it's taking so long, just why like a contusion like that actually is taking this long. So yeah, because it's taking this long, that's what gets me a little bit you know uh, worried because um, it already has taken this long. So. You know, is it going to linger? I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. And he's always been a slow starter, so being out this long um, could definitely, I mean, definitely throws off his rhythm, throws off, you know, a lot of things he's been doing this year. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see, and hopefully he can come back from it. But I guess I take, you know, uh, I'm glad that it wasn't anything more severe, you know what I mean? Some guys just heal quicker than others. And I'm not even alluding to steroids at this point. I'm, I'm literally saying some guys can get back on the field and their bodies heal quicker than others. And Teixeira, we've seen it, is not a guy who heals quickly. He takes a while to get 100%. And that's just the, you know, Ellsbury is also a guy like that. Right. You know, I'm thinking of guys, you know, like Johnny Damon, who could run into the wall, be, you know, laid out, his shoulder banged up. And then the next day he'd be out there. His body just rebounded like that. Teixeira is not a guy like that. So it, um, I don't think when he comes back, he's going to be 100% healthy. We're, we're, I would be shocked if we see the Teixeira of, you know, Ju- June and July come late September, October. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be asking a lot for him to, to kind of re- recapture that form um, uh, after being out for so long. So I, we just have to wait and see because I, I don't really I don't really know what to expect with him because of the like you said, man, he, he's a uh, he's been he's definitely a, a slow healer and he's also a slow starter, which worries me. Not this year, but in the past, you know, throughout his career, he's always been a slow starter. So this is this is this is a long gap to be out. So we'll see how he uh, he gets back into the flow. Luckily, luckily and, and thankfully, Greg Bird has been, uh, you know, really filling in admirably in his spot. So he's, he's definitely taken a lot of the pressure off. Um, I mean, this, he's not Teixeira. He's not what we've been getting from Teixeira, but he's definitely, you know, softened the blow uh, by being up and, and performing like he's performing. Absolutely. I've loved what I've seen out of Greg Bird. It's great that he's a, not only a prospect for the future, but he's also helping the team right now. But like you just said, you hit it right there. He's not Teixeira. He, he, he's not a cleanup hitter. At least now he's not. He's not giving them what Teixeira was giving them, both um, – offensively and I, I don't know I guess he's pretty solid defensively but Teixeira is I think one of the best first basemen defensively in the league absolutely yeah um so yeah Bird is great but without Teixeira in the middle of that lineup and A-Rod you know giving A-Rod some protection I think this team is gonna really struggle to score some runs against good pitching in the playoffs well we need guys like Stephen Drew and you know the bot and Didi to continue what they're doing um because they've they've really been a huge help over the past two to three weeks. I mean, Didi since the second, you know, second half of the year. Um, when when that bottom is is hitting and getting on base, it, it definitely uh, it takes a lot more pressure off. But when those guys are not going and we're we're struggling in the middle, I mean, we're not scoring runs. It's that's when we hit these large droughts of just painfully staking offense. And speaking of first base, Arod worked out at first base in Boston this week. Did you see that picture? I did not see the picture. Oh my God! You got to see this thing. <laughs> it, it, it was just the perfectly timed picture. It, it was a picture of A Rod working out at first base, and there must have been like a ground ball hit near him, and he had like this 
terrified look on his face. He had his hands over his head, looked like, you know, something was, like someone said, heads up, you know, four on the golf course and you're just trying to protect yourself. (laughs) He looked so out of place. Um, And it's really what we've seen when he played first base back in April. Looked like the guy's never played, he has never played on that side of the field, but like in his entire life, never played on that side of the field. Just totally out of place. Yeah, but they're, you know they're get, they have to be creative to get his bat into the game at some point. So I mean, especially with the the depth concerns at first base, um, I mean it makes sense to to see what he's got. But you know at this point in the season, I mean, A Rod over the past few weeks has looked like he's he's been tired and worn down. Um, so that's not going to help him personally. I don't I don't think running him out into the field is going to help him hit better or or play better. So I don't know how much that actually helps the team. No, I I don't want to see A Rod at first base at all. Yeah, he's but, a liability in the field, and that's also going to take away from his offense. It's just a, it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, I just think they're trying to see what, what's there just in case, you know what I mean, if they have to do, if they, in, a, in a National League park, if they have to make a move at some point. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt getting some reps in, but yeah, I, I would rather not see it. Yeah. Um, CeCe's going to be returning to the mound, I think, quicker than most people thought. He's going to pitch Wednesday versus Baltimore. And they're going to plug him in as the sixth starter. So no one's coming out of the rotation, but they're going to go to that six-man rotation they've been talking about for a while. Yep. And barring injury to somebody else, that that's what we're going with for the rest of the year. Well, and we kind of expected this. If he were to come back, this is the spot he was going to be in, right? We're going to He's going to go back in. Like To me, the bullpen was not even an option. I, I don't think that was ever on the table, uh, personally. Um, but, you know, it looks like he, he's really responded well from the, uh, the cortisone shot he got. He said that he's, you know, after his sessions, um, that the, the knee feels good, and uh, and and he feels strong. So we'll see what we'll see what we get. We'll see if we can get the uh, the CC over the past, you know, month and a half of uh, much better starts. They said he's going to be wearing a big knee brace while he's pitching. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I heard that, and you know, sometimes those that that type of like apparatus uh, can can throw a guy off, especially when he's used to something, um, you know, smaller or you know, this this can. affect his mechanics in some way i don't know we'll see i don't know what to expect from him either there's a lot of unknowns basically (laughs) a lot of unknowns coming in i don't know what we're going to see from him um hopefully he could contribute and you know and 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 take some of that pressure away and the sixth man because i know they want to give tanaka and Pineda that extra day and this will this will give him that yeah i think a lot of people are complaining that he's coming back that we don't need him that he's just a negative but I, i agree with you they need to get another arm in there to give some rest to these guys Especially because we've seen how the bullpen is just so tight. Like I just feel like the entire pitching staff has been worn thin all year, so another arm can't hurt. And the, the only thing is, is we're getting to a point where like we don't have time for you to, for people to be tired anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's push come to shove. I mean, we're, we're approaching the end of the season, the, the very very end of the stretch run, and you know we need all hands on deck. We need guys to not be tired at this point. So um, I think having him go in there. And, you know, I don't know how many starts we can really save at, at this point anymore. A, a few, but not many, um, for, for our guys to be ready. So we, we do need some – we need to see some, some pitching out of him. All right. On August 31st, that was the waiver deadline. The Yankees made a little bit of news when they claimed David Robertson uh, from the White Sox, who was placed on waivers. Everyone kind of got a little excited because, you know, bring D-Rob back. That just adds to the bullpen and everything. I don't think the Yankees ever had intentions on trading for him. I think that was mainly just to block the Blue Jays from claiming him. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It was a it was a cash block. Cash was going in there, and just uh, you know the fact that we were uh, behind in the standings helped us 
for that particular case, if the Blue Jays were going to go after uh, go after him and, and try to make that trade uh, with the White Sox, I'm not convinced that the White Sox were going to deal him anyway. But I think it was a just in case move by Cashman, and uh, why not? You know, make the move. So yeah, I don't I don't think there was intention of getting him either. I just want to. This brings up the whole thing of when they didn't sign David Robertson, then they did sign Andrew Miller, and I just want to. You know, David Robertson's been very good for the White Sox, but I just want to you know, give Cashman some credit that that was a great move right there to pass on Robertson and and give that money, which was essentially a very similar contract to Andrew Miller. I think that's worked out tremendously. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if the, if David Robertson had stayed and he got the money that he wouldn't have done well too. Um, I just, I just have more confidence in Andrew Miller. He comes in, David Robertson was, he was great. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoyed having him on the team, but man, I was on the edge of my seat every time he pitched. I mean, there was always got runners on, but he would always get out of it. <laughs> I mean, the dude was Houdini out there, you know, and, and, but, um, I, I just have more confidence in Andrew Miller. I think he's just a better stuff guy too. All right, so let's get into some of these games over the past week. I feel like they've been some eventful games. The Yankees, as we mentioned earlier, are a game and a half in back of Toronto as we sit here Sunday morning. And four up on the wild card over Texas. Uh, they're 75-59. and 59. I feel like they missed a little bit of opportunity because the Blue Jays have lost a couple games over the last week and the Yankees could not take advantage. Yes, they have. Uh, we can nail a couple uh, games, in particular the game on Monday, the, of, of missed opportunities. Uh, but Toronto just hasn't been losing, so when you when you do see them lose and drop a couple, you want to you want to get those games back. But um, you know, I don't expect them to to play like they've played in the, over the past three weeks, four weeks. Uh, I expect them to come back down to earth a little bit, and uh, you know, I think these uh, it, the, the division is going to be won or lost with our games against them. That, that's that's my uh, that's my take on it. I totally agree. Speaking of those missed opportunities you mentioned on Monday, the Yankees lost 4-3 to in the first game in Boston. And <laughs> this game was so incredibly frustrating because the Yankees left an entire village on base. They went 4-14 for with runners in scoring position. As a team, they left 14 on base. But I think, you know, when you add it up individually, it was something like 30 they left on base. Um, you know, first inning and fourth inning, they had bases loaded with no outs. They only got a total of two runs out of those two situations. Uh, they had bases loaded a couple more times late in the game. They couldn't take advantage. Um, I mean, it, it just seems like the offense is either scoring, you know, nine or ten runs and hitting four home runs, or they're leaving everybody on base and only scoring three runs. I just feel like that's the story with this team all season. That's always been the story, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the long ball. We live and die uh, by the long ball. And, and, you know, when we have... Bases loaded with no outs, two separate opportunities. I mean, you got to take advantage of those. Those are absolutely places where you have to move people over and in, and they just couldn't do it. And you know, as they're happening, you're just you're watching the game and you're like, I know this is going to bite us in the ass later. I know this is going to bite us in the ass later. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Um, Didi Didi gave a glimmer of hope in the ninth inning when the bases were loaded again and he hit that ball. Uh, I thought it was gone off the bat um, and. Seems like in most parks it would have been gone, uh, but he unfortunately found uh, you know one of the deeper parts of of Fenway and uh, and the, the the park held him in. That's one of those things about Fenway. It's like you hit a pop up down the left field line and it's a wall scraper double, and you you hit a. He crushed that ball. He hit it 378 feet to that to the to right field. That's a home run in nine out of ten parks, and it just wasn't. And it's frustrating. Um, Didi was four for four going into that at bat, and he was yeah. seeing the ball great. That's the guy I wanted up in that situation. Just didn't work out. 
Go figure. If you could hear yourself now. I know, uh, right? Two months ago, DD is the man I want up in the situation with bases loaded down by one. Well, in that <laughs> in that game specifically. He was- oh, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I'm just I think it's I think it's funny now that we're talking about DD and Steven Drew as our hottest and most dependable hitters at this point. <laughs> <laughs> DD, I feel like every time up he gives a good at bat. Yeah, no, he's been I I, I really like watching him play, and uh, you know, just watching his progress has been a lot of fun to watch this year. So, um, yeah, he's been uh, he's he's the guy that that has 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 been getting good at bats, absolutely, and I think that's really helped him out. He is a completely different player from April. <laughs> when no you think kidding. about it, errors in the field, errors on the base paths, you know, so, you know, look so overmatched at the plate, especially against lefties, to now where he's. You know, at least not making mistakes on the base paths. He makes all the plays in the field, including the, the tough plays, and he's putting great at bats, hitting line drives. I mean, it's just they, I can't believe we're here. But just remember, we were all complaining that Shane Green was traded, and he was having a good couple weeks with the with the Tigers, and we got Didi back, and everyone was was ready to fire Cashman for that. It's it's just crazy how things have changed. Well, and you know, it's a lot of credit to Didi because I mean, he's obviously put a lot of work in um, to to making making himself a better baseball player. You're seeing with offense because he never really, if you look at his history, I mean, he's never been uh, you know a high average guy. Um, but I really think he has just improved so dramatically at the plate. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I've always thought his defense was there, and I thought the the early the early season, you know, errors and and just brain farts, I thought was was kind of fluky, and just waiting for him to get settled in. Uh, but this is the first time he's ever been a you know a, a full time player and and played this deep in the season. So it's just good to see that he's making the adjustments he needs to make and is really improving. So uh, you know, we we could have something very good with this guy. Totally agree. Also, I just want to mention from that game Monday, Nova pitched. He didn't pitch bad, but at the same time, he made a few mistakes, and they went for home runs to uh, Mookie Betts and David Ortiz. And when you know your team is leaving everybody on base, you can't make those mistakes. So that's sort of been the story with Nova. I, I don't think Nova has been particularly good since he's come back from the DL, but I also kind of give him a pass because you, you need a year to get recovered fully from Tommy John. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has not flashed, uh, but he's been solid in, in in most of his starts, I'd say, and, and eating some innings. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, we I think we're getting uh, what we expected to get out of him. We weren't expecting anything completely great, but you know, he's he's pitching like a three four, so yeah, four five, four five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tuesday, the Yankees won three to one, and. <laughs> This is a pitcher's duel somehow because Porcello struck out 13 guys, which is career high. Porcello has sucked all year. He's been terrible. Like, I'm not, this is not exaggeration. Worst starting pitcher in the league for four months. And then he goes out there and strikes out 13. I just don't understand it. I'm not going to lie. When I was, when I was watching this game and I was, I just saw the, the ball coming out of his hand it was electric. I don't know where he kept this stuff from. I, some of the, the broad, some whoever was broadcasting the game was talking about he's he's gone back to a two seamer um, and yeah. he, instead of a four seam fastball, and and that's where the movement was coming from. So he was able to control it. But that two seam that was coming out of his hand was was moving and had late movement and was coming in hot. So. I mean, if if this guy wants to turn around something, you know, go back to that two seam because it was nasty. It really was. He looked like a completely different pitcher. I mean, lefties wouldn't even swing at it. How many times did the Yankees strike out looking as a left-handed batter on the inside two seamer? 
uh, like seven. I just couldn't believe the ball actually came back over the plate, but it was. I mean, it was it was hitting the inside corner. Swing the bat, time. though. It's it's not a surprise after the fourth time you've seen it. Swing the damn bat. No, I agree with that. I was I was just I was I think I was just taken aback by the fact that he was pitching so well. I, I it was just like it was baffling my mind that the, the, those were the actual pitches that were coming out of Rick Porcello's hand. The Red Sox gave him a monster contract after this. Yes, they did. He's making I think like nineteen million a year. Got a GM fired too, <laughs> and then and then the old GM comes back uh, that traded him away. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he he did come from Detroit. So, uh, yeah, that was a big contract, and I think that was one of the moves that that really got uh, uh, got their their GM fired. Sherrington. Um, Sherrington. But they you know they put a lot of they put a lot of money and some and a lot of faith in some very mediocre uh, pitching talent. And you know that was one of the, the things that we said that was going to bite them in the ass, and lo and behold, it, it absolutely did. Listen, Porcello's not a terrible pitcher like he was showing the first, you know, first three quarters of the season. But he's also not what we saw the other night. He's somewhere in the middle, an average, you know, close to four ERA guy, going to give up a lot of hits, going to give up a lot of, you know, ground balls. So uh, I just think what we saw was was a rare situation from Porcello and. Um, you know, if you're the Yankees, you're sitting there getting mowed down by Porcello. But you know what? <laughs> Big Mike stepped up, matched him pitch for pitch. And um, this was the best start we've seen from Pineda in a while, I think. Yeah, and this goes back to, to what we've talked about in the past is we don't know what we're getting from this guy. He's like Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, but today was the good – that day on Tuesday was the good Pineda, and he, he did. He, he looked great. Um, and, yeah, he, he, he went up against Porcello. He saw what Porcello was doing and, and saw what our offense was doing, and he did step up and, uh, and, and pitched a great game. So it was good to see that. Hopefully he can continue it and keep that good, that good guy keep coming back out. He was cruising, and Joe took him out after the sixth inning. And at first I kind of flipped out on Twitter and was like, what the hell is Girardi doing? You know, you got your starter cruising out there. And it's a, at that point it was a one-run lead. But then you got to think about, okay, this is only his second start back from the DL. You don't want to push it and injure him again. So right. this is one of the rare times I actually think I agree with Girardi taking him out. Yeah, I think that hundred pitches, so you know, right around there was their was their limit for him. Uh, so th- that was gonna that was gonna happen. And this goes back to the sixth starter, right? They're they're trying to rest these guys. They're trying to make sure that they are are you know healthy for you know the last stretch. Um, but again, man, at some point we got to let these guys go because this this stretch is here now. Uh, there's no more waiting. I mean, we're in it. Well, I think yeah, come. You know, third, fourth start for Pineda. I think Gar- or Girardi would send him back out. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about Gardner. So he hit a home run in this game, which was great. He was actually, I think, batting leadoff uh, in this game. I, I think for some reason Ellsbury sat. Um, but, or no, you know, that was the next day Ellsbury sat. Regardless, he hit a home run. But he's been struggling pretty much since the second half, uh, since the All-Star break. I know we've talked about it, but he's batting 207 in the second half. Is it time to move him out of the top of the order? Uh, against lefties or not play him against well, lefties. I mean, he's been sitting a lot versus lefties. Yeah, uh, I, I think when he's when you're playing uh, against a right-handed pitcher, I, I personally would still keep him up there. Um, I think uh, you know he's earned the right to to to, to battle out of it um, and to get through this. But at some point, you know, when we're we're getting to if he's still struggling for another week or two, and we have all these kids that are up, I mean, you got to make a move um, and drop him down. Um, uh, you know, to the to closer to the bottom, and if Stephen Drew, Stephen Druth is is hitting the way he's hitting, and Didi's hitting the way he's hitting, um, yeah, there's there's possible shakeups you could do, but I don't think Girardi's going to do it. I mean, Girardi's definitely a guy who who kind of sticks to his lineup, 
and sticks to not making dramatic um, changes, especially this late in the season. So I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, um, it definitely and, and, is not going to happen. Yeah, There's and I'm okay chance. with it. I'm okay with I'm okay with it because I don't know. I feel like he's earned the right to kind of work himself out of it. Yeah. No, I don't think for a second Girardi's going to move him out of the top of the order. I was just you know I wanted to know what you thought. Uh, for, yeah. If it was me, you know I'd probably still keep him up there. But, yeah. But if we're sitting here and it's the end of the season and he has not at least shown signs of snapping out of it and you're going into the playoffs or a one-game playoff, you got to put your best lineup out there. And right now, Gardner batting second is not the best lineup. I'm still running him out there uh, just because, uh, like I said, he's, I think he's earned it and I, he's, a, he's a guy that I believe would step up. Um, I don't know. I would, just, I would have a very hard time dropping him down. Uh, that, that's, that, I would have a very hard time seeing anybody drop him down. Let alone Girardi. It's not going to happen. Looks like you and Girardi agree then. <laughs> um, we have the same binder. It's, it's crazy. Today. Is, you, is it nice and blue? It's very nice. It's, it's absolutely. Got, got some pinstripes on the back. Mm. Nobody can see that though. Nice. Like the yeah. first day of school. <laughs> All right. This game on Wednesday, I was at this game. It was like a billion degrees. I was sitting out in the bleachers. Um, it looked great for a while. Yankees were up 12-2. to two. They scored eight in the second inning. I left in the seventh inning because it was hot. I went down to a bar and watched the rest of the game. And uh, it's a good thing I, I did because I think I would have been, you know, flipping out if I was in the stadium watching that, what happened. Um, so what happened was after Tanaka came out of the game, the Yankees were up by nine runs. And then they bring in a parade of Andrew Bailey, Brian Mitchell, and Caleb Cotham, who basically all sucked, could not get anybody out. The Red Sox made it a 13-8 to game. And in a blowout game, Girardi had to go to Batances and Miller, which to me is an embarrassment. I, I, I just you can't justify using those guys in a blowout when you got to get those guys rest, especially in games like that. And that's just one of those things about this team that pisses me off. Yeah, I mean the guys in the middle need to step up right there and 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 get the you know get the outs because getting them putting in Batantis and Miller in this particular game is, is it, I agree it's completely unacceptable and um, you you need you need guys to step up in a in a route like that and just get some outs man uh, but you're you're right they looked terrible Brian Mitchell's in like a weird spot like I don't really know what he is they stretched him out to be a starter he was going to be the sixth guy for a little bit I guess when CC went down uh, but. But now he's being used in, in like one inning situations where you know maybe he should be the the, the long guy. Um, you and I talked about this before we started recording, but you know why not bring uh, Brian Mitchell in there after Tanaka and just have him finish the game um, as the the longer guy. So yeah, you need guys stepping up at that point and just getting some outs. And in the ninth inning, Caleb Cotham started. It was a six run lead, and he gave up a couple of hits. And then Jordy immediately goes to Miller, which I see both sides of it. On the one hand, you don't want the game. You don't want to lose the game because you can't lose a game. You're winning by ten runs at one point. But on the other hand, you don't trust a guy on the major league roster to get three outs before he gives up six runs. What's he doing on the roster then? Yeah, no, I. I well, Girardi has always done this. He always, you know, kind of errs to the side of caution and brings in his guys to close out a game. He's done it all year, uh, so it's not a surprising move. And, you know, is it is it a confidence thing in him? I don't know. It's just, I think it's just when it gets to a certain point, when there's runners on base, when they can get within a certain, uh, you know, uh, run, a certain run differential, he brings in his guys. 
you know, again, it's in the binder. It's it's in the binder of, of what to do. It's like a, you know the two point conversion. Uh, you know, he's got a chart for all this crap, and I, I just think he likes to um, you know solidify wins when he can. So that's why he, he brings in the big guns. Well, he goes. To- it's frustrating to watch though because you're like, this guy does not need to be in this game. Why? Like, why is he warming up? Exactly because sometimes he makes moves like that, and then other times, like yet in yesterday Saturday's game, he brings in Nick Rumbelow in the eighth inning when the Yankees are down by one. I know Rumbelow didn't give up any runs, but he gave up two balls to the wall, and it's like, you know, that's a time you can go to Batances and keep the game where it is, not a six-run game. So it's just it's just things like that I, that I just fundamentally disagree with Girardi on. I'm with you on that one. I, I, I agree. I'm on, I'm on the same page. Well, I guess that's why he's the manager, and I'm sitting and we're not talking into a microphone in my bedroom. <laughs> All right, Friday, Yankees went home, started a 10-game homestand. Um, the last time they played a 10-game homestand, they went 5-5. Five and five. So you got to do better than 5-5 five and five this time, especially with some big games coming up. But on Friday night, uh, Bird, McCann, and A-Rod all hit home runs, which Bird has been, as we said, pretty steady since he's been plugged in there. Um, McCann as well, and it was great to see A-Rod get another long ball. I feel like he's either getting, you know, he's either striking out or hitting home runs at this point. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I don't, he's looked tired. I guess that's the best way to, to, to describe it. He just looks tired out there. Um, so, but Bird, man, I tell you, he's been just, like, like we were talking about, has softened the blow for, for Teixeira. He looks good. I mean, his at bats look good too. It's not just it's not just um, you know the way he's playing in the field or uh, his at bats look very solid. I mean, he, he's taking good walks. Um, he's working the count. He just looks like a like he he belongs there. Um, and then we get Severino going out there and just just pitching like tremendously. I mean, this guy has been better than advertised in my opinion. Six and a third innings, which is his longest start of his major league career, and he gave up one earned run, which lowered his ERA to two point oh four. To me, Severino, I have the second most confidence on the in the pitching staff in him to pitch a good game. I still give the slight edge to Tanaka because he's you know more veteran and he's he's you know quote unquote their ace. But right now, if I'm setting a playoff rotation, Severino's getting the ball in game two. I have to agree with you. I just because I don't know what we're getting from uh, from Pineda. Pineda's the guy that would rival that. Um, but I, you know, I just don't know who he is. So hopefully he can kind of solidify that a little bit more with the, his rest, the rest of his starts and build on his last one and not show us the, the bad Pineda. Uh, we need to see more of the, the good big Mike. Um, but I, you know, I agree with you. I think Severino has been going out there. He's been, he's, he, you just have a lot of confidence with him out on the mound because he doesn't give up very much and he looks really good. And there, you know, people are having a hard time putting the, you know, squaring him up. So, um, He's, he throws a lot harder than I was. He throws a lot harder throughout the game than I than I realized than that I was expecting um, from from just like watching the tape and seeing him uh, come up. So I've been really impressed by him, and I'm I'm extremely happy that Cashman you know kind of stuck to his guns and and kept Severino. You know what else he has going for him is that he's facing teams for the first time a lot right now. So you got to yep. take advantage of that. Teams have not seen him, so you have to take advantage of the fact that he has the advantage going into these games down the stretch and into the playoffs. Um, if he doesn't get a play, if they make it to the divisional round and they have uh, a game in, and you know, it's not just a one game playoff and he doesn't make a playoff start, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. Well, I, there's some time to, to see what happens from now until then. But right now I agree with you for setting a rotation for a series. He's got to be in it. I mean, he's, he's just, he's, 
he's he's been one of the best in the in the um that we've run out there. So yeah, I agree. Saturday, um, you know, speaking of who's starting that game, Evaldi, I'm surprised you don't want Evaldi starting that starting in that <laughs> playoffs. Uh, I think he would get a start in a seven game series, but he um you know, it was it was not a good outing for him again. He's just throwing too many pitches. He's he's throwing way too many pitches. And he beat he's himself. Wa- he's walking guys. He did beat himself. Absolutely. Yeah, third inning, you know, the end line doesn't look terrible for him, which I feel is a common thread for him. Five and a third innings and only three runs. But in that third inning, he walked two guys and then hit a batter. It, it, you know, you can't do that. You, you just absolutely can't do that. And he almost got out of it. And then he gave up a two-run, two-out single to yeah. – uh, What's it as Drupal Cabrera? So, right. you know, it, you know, I, I just want to throw some stats out, you on Evaldi, and which I heard in the broadcast yesterday. Uh, opponents are hitting 350 against his fastball, which I just want to put that into pers- into perspective. CC's batting average against on fastballs is 252. So hitters are hitting a hundred points higher off Evaldi on his fastball than they are CC, and I think that stat more than anything. You know, goes to tell you what you need to know about Evaldi. You know, everyone likes to talk about his 97-mile-an-hour fastball. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. He can throw it 197. It's still getting hit. It's a flat fastball, and I think over the past month, we've seen him um, throw more of a two-seamer and work in that splitter. And when, I think when that splitter is on, his fastball is a lot more effective. Um, but, you know, when he's missing the strike zone like he is and he's walking guys and hitting guys – he can't afford to do that. You know, it's just he, he beats himself up in that in that way, and that's exactly what happened in that. I mean, he's not getting hit hard. He just doesn't get hit hard. It hasn't happened. This. He, he beats himself and throws too many pitches. That's that's what we're seeing with him, and, and that's what he has to overcome. He's got he's to throw the ball over the plate more, and he's got to throw that breaking ball for strikes. Someone compared him to A.J. Burnett on Twitter yesterday, which I thought was a great comparison because you see the stuff and you're like, wow, you know, 98 miles an hour, you know, great looking curveball and splitter. You know, A.J. had a nasty curveball. But then you go out and then you watch him pitch and it's like, okay, he's beating himself and he could go out and pitch eight shutout innings or he could go out there and walk guys and be out of there by the fifth. So I thought it was a great comparison. I never felt confident with A.J. Burnett in a big game and I'm never going to feel confident until with Avaldi in a big game until I see more never ever 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 <laughs> he, yeah I mean I get the comparison because AJ Burnett was one of those guys you kind of wanted to pull your hair out um but I don't know man I, I just the, the, he still he still is not when he's even when he's pitching and not pitching well you like you said you see the end line it's a five and a third uh for three runs he, he kept the team in the game um and the game that you know the, the Yankees had an opportunity to win the game uh, he's not getting crushed, and I, while I understand their frustration that he only pitches five innings and he gets you know 100 pitches, he's not killing the team in the sense of of you know his stat line. Like yes, I understand he's working the the, the bullpen more, um, and he's putting you know he's putting a lot more strain on the bullpen because of the way he pitches and does not go into deep into games. But at the same time, he's not killing us. Uh, I, you know, every outing you seem like you're getting something very similar. You know, you're still in the game in the fifth and the sixth inning every time he pitches. I'm just afraid for a good lineup that they go up against that it could be worse. And instead of three runs, it's it's five runs through five innings. Well, because they're going to get more hits if he if he hurts himself by by yeah uh, exactly. You know, that's that's the thing. They're, they're, that big hit's going to come. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be a single. I feel either. like it's he's going to be a bases with, clearing double or a home run. Yeah, he's playing with fire at this point. You know, you can only walk so many guys and put so many guys on base before eventually someone gets a, a gapper that clears it. 
Right. No, he's got to cut down the walks. He's got to cut down the walks, and he's got to he's got to control that. Um, but you know, if he could control the walks, which um, you know we, he did, I think you know after with this past couple str- past couple games, he has not been good. Um, but you know, three four uh, starters starts before that. He's been better uh, with with you know managing his pitches, um, you know controlling the walks a little bit. So if he can refine that um, and, and refocus and, and find that strike zone, he'll be a lot better. But again, I think it really focuses on him is is throwing that that splitter and throwing that splitter for for strikes or and getting swings and misses because when that happens, the fastball is just that much more effective. And then you see the electric ninety eight fastball actually working um, when that splitter is on. So I, I, he is his success to me is tied to that splitter. Yeah, it's a great point, and I, and I would I would definitely agree. And I know I'm hard on Evaldi. Uh, he's probably going to get the ball in the playoffs. I would put him as the number four starter in the playoffs. I think I would, as we just mentioned, Tanaka, Severino, Pineda, and then Evaldi. I don't think CC or Nova should get the ball in, in the playoffs, but right. but I still don't feel comfortable with it. So that you know that's just sort of where where we are, and I, it's not going to change. All right, so. They've got one more against Tampa this afternoon on Sunday, and then three versus Baltimore, and then the big one, four games at home against the Blue Jays. you got to take three out of four, or else you're probably not going to win the division. It's a huge series, and like like I was talking about earlier, I think you know if, if we're playing good baseball, uh, I think the division is going to come down to our games with Toronto. I mean, we have, what, seven games left? Yep. Uh, with them, so I mean, right there. There's your division. It's 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 us versus them, and those games are gonna are gonna do it. So we need to come in, uh, you know, ready to go, and all 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 cylinders firing off, man, and and, and beat Toronto. So this this ten game homestand is uh, is crucial. So we need to we need to win the series in Tampa. We need to win against Baltimore. We need to see some good stuff, and then we need to go in off all, all uh all, on on all cylinders going for for Toronto. So it's gonna be playoff atmosphere. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm good. glad the division's kind of coming down to the end because it's exciting. <laughs> it is. And, and I think that, you know, we're sitting here with the Yankees, and, and we know they're going to at least be in that one-game playoff. But at the same time, man, you want that division. And I think that's exactly what MLB was going for when they designed this wildcard situation where it's it's such meaningful games going into the last two to three weeks of the season. It's just great to see. It is great to see, and you know, hopefully we can show up. Hopefully Tex can get get healthy, man, so we can have him for uh, for the second series. I don't think we're going to see him in this first one, but uh, the second one versus Toronto, hopefully he can be back and 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 uh, in good shape. Oh god, if he's not back by then, I don't think we're going to see. Him. Well, in good shape <laughs> and and actually healthy and, and playing well. All right, so that's sort of the upcoming schedule. Uh, before we close this episode out, I think we got a mailbag to get into, right? Yeah, this was from Julio. Uh, I didn't get a Twitter handle from you, but we got a we got an interesting mailbag we wanted to to put out there. So he says, "Hey guys, when I first first started listening to the show, I wasn't very impressed. But I must say that after listening to episode thirteen, the cousin Brewski episode, I became one of the most faithful fans of your show. I listen every week, and I want to congratulate you and encourage you to keep up the great work. Yankee fans like me appreciate the hard work you're putting in the show, whether it's a good or a bad week. I feel you represent the, how most of us feel." Since this week, uh, the podcast I've listened to, mostly fantasy football and the draft, I have an interesting question for you, and I'd love to hear your discussion on it. If there was a baseball manager-only draft, uh, who would you take top 10 managers that drafted, and what position do you see Girardi? Uh, only active managers. Good luck in your next show. 
And I'm excited to hear from you next week. Thank you, Julio. I appreciate the constructive <laughs> criticism. I'm glad you stuck through 13, 13. episodes <laughs> when you didn't like us. So that's that's we, we couldn't have been that bad, I guess, in your ears. So I'm glad you stuck around, man. And uh, we're, we're glad you're still here on, what, what are we, episode 32? Yeah. Uh, so... Thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's. This, this is an interesting question. Well, a lot of people are doing their fantasy football drafts. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I could t- uh, wing off 10, but I can give you a few. Well, who do you got? Well, before we get into that, I just think it's funny. Like you said, 13 episodes. Maybe he was hate listening to us for the first 13, and then we said yeah. something that he liked and he agreed with us. So, no, we're like, Steve, we're like Stephen Drew. He's like, we were there. Yeah. We saw a couple good at bats. <laughs> you know, we, were, we hit the ball hard a couple times. So, you know, I, I know it's going to happen at, at some point. And Brewski set us off, apparently. Brewski was our, uh, was our, like, uh, was our, um, our acquisition in the middle of the season that, hey, that got us going. I don't care why people are listening as long, people are, as, long as people are listening, but if they like us and listen that's even better so thanks Julio all right yeah this manager question interesting question um I to be honest I have to look at the list of managers because I don't know them all in baseball uh but but if I'm picking one manager for for my team I'm starting a team the number one pick I'm taking is uh Joe Madden okay do you have two more? If you, I love Joe Madden. I think he's a crazy, crazy, crazy baseball guy, uh, but I love it. Uh, he's he's actually definitely one of my favorites. Um, if, if, okay, you want me to go top three? Yeah, give me top three first. All right, so Joe Madden, uh, probably Bruce, Bo- Bruce Bochy, number two, just because we've seen all the playoff success that he's had with the Giants recently. Um, number three, <clears throat> it's going to be tough. Um uh, you know, a lot of people might say Mike Sosha, but I think he's yeah. kind of overrated. Um, he's been there a while with a lot of good teams, a lot of big name talent, and we have not seen him had success recently. Um, this one might come out of left field, but I think I'm going to go Terry Francona as number three. Oh my God, this is this is not right. We're agreeing on a lot of these actually. <laughs> we didn't even so talk my, about this either. No, we didn't. My my first one, as much as I want to say Don Mattingly, by the way, I, I can't put him on this list, but no. I love seeing him. I love yeah. seeing him. He needs he just needs more time, I think. Uh, but I think he can be very good. Uh, okay, so so my number one, I agree with you, would be Joe Madden. I love the way he he he. Uh, he approaches the game of baseball. I just think it's fun. I, I think he uh, he really relates to his players well. I think he's a very good in-game manager. Um, he drives people crazy with the with the way that he has you know brought in the shift. I think, yeah. but he actually changed the game a lot defensively because there's a lot of people doing what he's doing now. I think he's also great for a young team. I totally agree, and that's why the Cubs brought him in. I think that was a huge move for them. Um, and he just he has a really uh, a good atmosphere around him. Um, so yeah, I think Joe Madden would be my guy. Um, Bruce Bochy, I. I'm not, I'm not a big Bruce Bochy guy uh, for whatever reason. I just I don't know. He's he's a little too dry for me. Um, so I would can't argue I would with success though. You cannot argue with the success. You cannot argue with the ses- success. Uh, so I I would go to Tito too, man. Like as much as I did not like him when he was in the other dugout, I respected what he did, and I think Terry Francona is a good manager, and I think he knows how to manage players as well. See, I'm I, I'm I'm more for like the the player manager uh, guys. I think they keeping a loose clubhouse and and making tough decisions, but but sticking to your convictions and making those decisions um, is what a, a good manager does. And I think uh, Frank Kona does a good job at that. And uh, my, my, my third guy would be actually Mike Sosha. I think Mike Sosha is a good in-game guy. I think he, he, I think he's probably one of the smartest baseball guys out there personally. And um, you know, I think he's had some, some good success as well. He's so. been there so long though. And he's, and he's, uh, he's got like a 540 win percentage. But think about all those good teams. You know, they've brought in some big name talent, and he just has not been able to. He, look at what they, he's done with this team right now. 
They're they're plummeting. They're not going to make the playoffs. I, I feel like he's definitely overrated. Yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying there. Uh, I just, for some reason, I, I like his demeanor in the clubhouse. Uh, I like the way he, I like the way he makes decisions. I don't know. He he would be one of the guys that I would choose. Um, but Joe Madden, Joe Madden's, I think, the most exciting manager in, in baseball. Yeah, and, and if, there's, if, man, if managers can be exciting, <laughs> there's kind of a new trend I, I think in baseball where they're giving guys, you know, players that just recently played, like Matt Williams, Craig Council. Robin Ventura, they got jobs, and they never managed in the minor leagues or anything. Ryan Sandberg, yeah, yeah. he was. Well, We're seeing them make a lot of mistakes. Look what Matt Williams has done in Washington. He's terrible. Yeah, he's been bad. He's been bad with that with that roster with the the team that he has. They they should and the Mets are winning that division. Um, but that that division, if you look at their record, was absolutely winnable. And oh my they, god, they, they that, should be up with that rotation. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And but the rotation is not pitching to what they should be uh, to to bail him out a little bit. But I mean, he's made some some head scratching decisions as well. Yeah, so I think you can't underestimate getting experience and making mistakes in the minor leagues and stuff before you get to the majors. I think you can't underestimate how important that is for a manager. So you know, I, I think some teams might be regretting hire, hiring these guys right out of. You know, it's like draft. It's like it's like drafting a guy right out of high school and bringing him up. You know what I mean? It's like you got to let him make mistakes in the minors and grow first. Yeah. Um, and as a side note, I mean, I think AJ Hinch deserves a lot of credit for what he's done this year too. Um, I think he's done a tremendous job with that with that Astros team because while there's a there's a lot of young talent on that team, they also have some some really good veteran pieces that I think he's done a lot of good stuff with. So I think he's actually been uh, he's had a great year, um, and I think he's one to watch for sure. That was an interesting question. I like that. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, so I think that's pr- pretty much going to wrap it up for us here. Any any last words going into this week? Anything you'd like to see out of this team? I'd like to see more consistent, uh, more consistent hitting. That's that's to me. I mean, that's what we need. We need guys on base, and we need to drive them, in, uh, drive those, move move them over, and move them in. Um, you know, we need to to not be so dependent on the long ball. And while Yankee Stadium is going to help help us with the long ball, um, you know, when we're when we're on the road, we need to be able to get on base, get on base, move guys over, and move them in. And um, so, yeah, I want to see more consistency from that offense. That's what I'd like to see. But this is a huge ten game stand. Uh, we need we need to finish out cleanly with with Tampa Bay and, and win this series, and then go in. I'd like to see a I'd like to see a sweep of of the Orioles, um, and then go in strong man with, with with Toronto coming into town. But huge 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 week coming up going to be a real fun week. Guess we'll uh, catch you guys next time. Later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.